1: As triathletes, we should all be committed to fueling our bodies with products we are confident in. At Iron Women, Noon Hydration is our go-to. Committed to clean hydration, a clean planet, and clean sport, Noon Hydration shares our values, and we are proud to use Noon Hydration on and off the race course.
0: Plus, it tastes good. My favorites are the Watermelon Noon Sports Tabs, Citrus Mango Noon Endurance, and then warming up some Noon Rest before bedtime. Noon Hydration offers the Iron Women community a 30% discount at NoonLife.com with the code IRONWOMEN. That's N-U-U-N life.com with the code IRONWOMEN.
2: And now, the ladies you've been waiting for, Alyssa Godeski and Haley Chura. Bye for now.
0: we're back again. How are you doing? Alyssa, I've been spending a
1: lot of time on social media lately because I'm actually doing the Iron Women podcast Instagram feed uh, or Instagram story takeover today, but one interesting thing that I saw on there was this challenge that you just started
0: today. Can you tell us about it? Okay, so... This podcast comes out on Thursday. We're recording on Monday. So this is day one of while I'm talking right now of the challenge. But if you're listening on Thursday or Friday, hopefully I have successfully like made it over the hump and I'm on the other side like last few days of this challenge. So this is something I dreamed up, actually inspired by our podcast guest that we have coming on this week, Leo Wilcox. And she caught my eye because she did this challenge over the winter on Mount Lemon, which is in Tucson. And Haley, you've ridden Mount Lemon. We actually talked about this in the interview with her, so I don't want to go too much into detail. But basically the challenge she was riding one lemon, two lemons, three lemons, four lemons, and then going for five lemons on the fifth day. That was like what she set out to do. And, and Mount
1: Lemon's like a 20 mile, 21 mile climb
0: in yes. Tucson. Yeah, that goes right? from like so- just under 3,000 feet up to 8,000 feet. So it's like a massive and undertaking.
1: And it takes like at a normal pace. It's like two hours or so maybe a little give and take a bit
0: yeah that would be like a good solid good solid climb would be two hours for sure yeah um so you know very long day for her but I was like oh I like the like concept of that like counting situation so I was like what's a bit you know I'm not riding a lot so I was like maybe I can do a running version of this And I am doing it on the Jarman Gap Road, which is a road I think I talked about last week on the podcast, how I like raced up it um, for time the other week. And it's a it's about three miles, a little under one direction. So six miles round trip. And there's 1500 feet of elevation gain and descent in the, the round trip. And. So I'm doing the five days of Jarmins instead of the she called it like the 15 lemons of Christmas when she was doing it. So because she was trying, she was actually going to do it around Christmas time. And then there was a big snowstorm. So she actually had to move it out to January for the snow to pass off of Mount Lemon. So all of these make hers sound like way more hardcore than what I'm doing. But I am having fun and I am hopefully just passing these days, running some miles and getting some good time on my feet. And so I did I did day one today and I don't have huge goals or expectations for this because I've not really done something quite like this yet. And so I am hoping each loop will take me around 55 minutes. Um, that's like what I'm shooting for each time. That's kind of like the pacing strategy I'm using. And I don't know. I'll see. I'll see what happens. So
1: today was about a
0: six mile loop. Mm-hmm. And then by day five,
1: you're looking at 30 miles of running up and down this one hill mountain
0: mountain very steep climb yes so yeah by the end all five days will be a total of 90 miles and 22 and a half thousand feet of elevation over the five days so it obviously gets progressively like I don't know if that's exponentially hard but because I guess it could be linear but it, it The days four and five are going to be much harder than day one, two, and three, I, I believe. so. Your calendar is cleared yeah. for Thursday and Friday. <laughs> exactly. You were like,
1: I am not available, out of office, on Jarman. Don't even bother me. Don't even day. bother me. I'm- Thursday
0: had been my grocery shopping day, and I, I had to tell my boyfriend. I was like, Matt, you are in charge of groceries this week. Get your mask ready. I'm not doing that on Thursday this week because I am all in for this challenge. So, um, I, yeah, I'm excited. I think, you know, again, I'm just trying to, like, see what happens. I don't know. Then you have a race on Sunday, right?
1: Aren't you racing the Fest Queen Mother's Day race? Because I'm racing it. Are you going to race up
0: and down our Jarman for a nice little 10K, like, encore on Sunday? No. So, I took the um, walk option of the smash fest queen virtual mother's day event and Ramona and I will be walking a 5k and I'm very excited about that. Um, I have that planned. So I am actually, I am planning to go out and watch a smash fest queen teammate crush her half marathon. So she's racing the half marathon virtually for smash fest queen. So, um, I'm I'm taking one for the team. I'll have the dogs and she'll be racing hard. Well, I'm
1: excited to hear the report from all of that next week. We're going to have a lot to catch up on. And I I can tell you a little bit about what it's like to do an Instagram takeover. This is the first time I've ever done that. And, um, hopefully they'll save it. So if anyone missed it, they can go back and look, maybe, I don't know if it's worth saving, but it's been more work than I expected. And it's given me a lot more respect for influencers, Alyssa. Like even today I was outside the post office and I was taking a selfie of myself and a man was like, don't worry, you look fine. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> um, I think he was referring to my mask because I was, I do have a, like a, I don't I don't remember the animal print if it's like a leopard i think it's a leopard print print. i saw that one yeah (laughs) trying to think which big cat um that uh mask that i was wearing and i think he was like thought i was like making sure my mask looked good
0: but it's hard it's a hard life being an influencer it's hard to get over yourself enough to take the selfies in in public the harder thing i think is at least like a picture i think you can like snap kind of discreetly at times the videos like i don't know how these people get these videos sometimes of them like talking in public places or things like that like how they and i guess it looks normal when they're doing it so we should just get over ourselves and be able to do it too but i think it does it takes a certain type of personality but i think you're doing a great job and have loved all the cowboy footage of course
1: there's a lot of cowboy footage that's but i mean he is my my what the people ask for life yeah yeah and he's my social life versus uh, and random people in the street who are at least six feet away commenting on my mask. But um, yeah, hopefully it's been entertaining for folks and they've gotten to see a little bit of my, my life and
0: all my at-home exercises again. And Haley, Live Feisty has your Instagram takeover, which is very exciting this week. And we also have a very exciting sponsor announcement that... Orca sportswear is coming on board to sponsor a lot of live feisty things, including the iron women podcast. This is very exciting. And we are going to have a code eventually for folks.
1: But if in the meantime, go ahead and start browsing orca.com Orca is really well-known for their wetsuits and swim skins, I believe. And I think there's a lot of other great products on there as well. So definitely check it out. And we're excited about our partnership with Orca. That's
0: uh, kicking off right now. All right, Haley. So I'm going to dig into the mailbag here. We have a mailbag question that came in from Heather. And just a reminder that listeners, you can send us your questions at ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And Heather has two bike questions and a swim question. So first, the bike um, one, her feet get super cold in the shoes biking. So she wants to know what socks would be best for cold weather for cold weather because she's getting cold feet. Haley. Did you, Alyssa, did you get what I caught there? Did you get it? The trick?
1: She's getting cold feet. I um, I have cold feet for all times when I go outside. No, actually, not not physically cold, but um, more the kind you're talking about. I actually learned this one from you. Rafa booties, neoprene booties. They will keep your feet very warm. So they go over the outside. I think they are like a hundred dollars. There, I I got the ones, the same ones that Alyssa has, and they're neon pink. And they're worth every penny. They're one of the best things I've ever bought, both for riding in the cold. And I wear them year round because I like the visibility of them. So I'll wear them in the middle of the summer. And yes, my feet are super hot. But for me, it's worth it for the visibility because your feet are moving. So that's like something that the eye, when you're in a car, gets drawn to. And I've had a lot of people, I get, a, I get way more compliments on my booties than I even get on my mask. So definitely check those out.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's the it's the overshoes, the booties, make sure they're neoprene and like they're pretty thick, but they are, like Haley said, worth every penny. Um, Heather's second question about the bike is that she started biking and everyone, you know, classic case of someone starting to bike for the first time your butt hurts right and so everyone gave her the answer of course this is what I do too like it'll you'll get tougher like it'll get better it gets better right and she's like oh my gosh it's not getting better it's been nine months so do we have bike short recommend bike shorts recommendations or saddle recommendations she has had it fit but nothing beyond that so I think Haley and I would come to a consensus on the bike shorts to use.
1: We are both Smash Fest Queen sponsored athletes and I love the Smash Fest Queen bibs. Um I think that they have a great support and then they also like the bib. I was a late, late adopter of bib shorts and it um there is something about not having the seam around your stomach that's quite nice and going over your shoulders. But I use you know, those Smash fest Queen Bibs shorts plus Zilios betwixt chamois cream. And I use this chamois cream fairly liberally because it is um, you know, it's very environmentally friendly. So it's not super viscous and it won't ruin your shorts, which is really good. Because some of uh if you use some kind of like petroleum jelly, it might ruin your shorts, which again, if you buy really nice bike shorts, you wanna keep those nice. So I use the Zilios Betwixt and Zilios is a sponsor of the podcast. You get a discount, I think at teamzilios.com with the code iron So a little plug for Zilios there.
0: And in terms of a saddle, I I think this can be super personal for people. I have ridden ISM saddles for the 15 years I have been in triathlon and had really great success with how that fits for me. So I definitely recommend ISM if it, it does work for you. Um, but head to your bike shop and ask them about demo saddles or call around and ask about what demo saddles they have most bike shops have some sort of a program where you can kind of try it out for a week or two before you have to actually purchase a new saddle and it can make a huge difference so definitely just you know it's trial and error and seeing what works best for you but it sounds like you are on the right track and you want it to work so we're confident with some of these small tweaks it might start clicking better for you and Haley, Heather's last question is about swimming. So what kind of exercise can she do to mimic the swimming so she can keep those skills up while we aren't swimming in this COVID-19 time?
1: I would direct Heather to livefeisty.com and the Iron Women podcast mini episodes. I've done two with expert swim coaches with um, giving advice on on at-home swim exercises, a lot of stretch cords, a lot of planks, core work, definitely check out those videos. If you go to YouTube and you search for live feisty media, those two, the videos are going to pop up really easy to find, um, with actual demonstrations, either by myself or the coaches that I chatted with, or you can even look at the live feisty Instagram takeover. No, not live feisty iron women podcast, Instagram takeover from today where I did attempt to film myself doing some at home swim workouts and um, I did some stretch cords and some push-ups and some tricep dips, I think. And these are actual workouts that I'm doing right now. And I have a lot of my athletes that I coach doing as well. And stretch cords are a drill. They aren't going to completely replace swimming, but they are a drill and they'll help, you know, a little can go a long way. So doing even 15 seconds of stretch cords is going to help kind of activate those muscles and We'll be back. We'll be back in the lakes to the pools eventually. And, and you won't have
0: forgotten how to swim. And Haley, like I said, everyone can send their questions in. These were some great ones from Heather to IronWomenPodcast at gmail.com. And we'll be happy to take a stab at those. And Haley, we have our interview, like I mentioned, with Lael Wilcox coming up this week. And we talked to Lael. She's a female ultra endurance cyclist. Um, but she actually didn't even begin cycling until she was 20 years old. So she spends her time traveling ar- around the world, riding her bike, tons of miles, having adventures, chasing records and getting more girls and women on bikes, which we love of course too. So you can hear from Lail next after a word from our sponsors. Iron women is proud to be supported by form goggles in 2020. Form Goggles are the only swim goggles with a smart display that delivers metrics like split times, distance, pace, and more. And it's built right into the goggle lens.
1: You can also analyze your metrics outside of the pool with the Form Swim app, because what triathlete doesn't love data? Head to formswim.com to learn more about the Form Swim Goggles and pick up the missing link to your swim bag. Hi, Leo,
0: Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Thanks for having me on the show show. Nice to meet both of you. So I believe you're joining us from Tucson, Arizona. So before we get into too much here, I have to ask what is life like in Tucson for you right now amidst the COVID-19 times that we're experiencing?
2: I mean, for the most part, it's great. It's sunny every day. Uh, We still have the ability to go out and ride and run and hike and everything. So not going too far from home, but otherwise uh, pretty ideal starting to get pretty hot though should be in the hundreds this week which is cooking so it's been like 70s and 80s and now I think it's actually turning into desert summer which is blasting sun and heat Um, so yeah I think I'll be here for the next month or so and then probably head back to Alaska where I'm from
1: And this global pandemic has unfortunately put a kind of a bit of a damper on one of your major projects that happens in Alaska, the Anchorage Grit, which girls ride into tomorrow, I believe we have that that, uh, (laughs) acronym correct, which is a mentorship program for middle school aged girls in Anchorage, Alaska, empowering those girls through riding bikes. So as you're dealing with the cancellations and delays, yeah, it's hard for you as an organizer, but have you been able to talk to any of those girls that were planning to go to that camp and do you know, have any idea how they're handling it?
2: Yeah, totally. Uh, So this was gonna be our fourth year of the program uh, and we have returning girls come back every year. So we start with seventh and eighth graders and then as they get older, they can come back as student mentors. Uh, but the way they usually communicate with me is just through Instagram messages. Um, so they're you know, asking to come back, can it be a student mentor? And, and then, uh, I mean, it's, it's a bummer. Anchorage schools are closed for the rest of the year, all after school activities are canceled. So we, we usually run the program from early April to just before school ends. We ride together for six weeks to build up to a three-day, 60-mile adventure ride. And then this year, I was all set to go. I was going to fly back to Anchorage April 1st, meet with the girls on the 5th, uh, but we just kind of had to pull pull the plug about a week before, just because you really can't get people together. And then I thought, oh, maybe we could just uh, minimize the groups. We could just have one-on-one or two-on-two mentoring, and then it would be a small group, so it would be okay. But really... You know, even after getting excited about that, I thought about it and I I realized this is putting adult women and students together that would never be together otherwise. And I'm like, that's exactly what we're trying not to do. So really people should just spend time with their families. If they can still get outside, that's great. Uh, But I I couldn't go forward with it. So we already have a list for new girls uh, and then we'll just work with them next spring instead. Uh, So that's kind of where we're at. If we can get together as a group with the older students sometime in the summer, we could do like a a camp out ride with them. Uh, You know, I'm always hopeful. I'm always trying to think of creative solutions. And it's tough right now because all community events are kind of either on hold or canceled. But I mean, looking at the bigger picture, that's just how it has to be. You know, I, I so know, I, guess I guess being i
0: feel like we're all like in a starting corral, like eagerly waiting to like go and have that like <laughs> banner lifted to go and like no one's going to know where right. they're going or anything when that is lifted. But I feel like people are just ready. But for you on the organizing side of things, I imagine it's it's stressful, but also heartbreaking too to like be communicating with the girls who just want to ride for that matter.
2: I know. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like if they've already done the program and they have bikes, they know the bike pass in Anchorage. They can go out, you know, on their own, basically, or with their families. I mean, really, the snow is just melting in Anchorage now, too. It's been a crazy winter. So the riding season is really just opening. Um, I think the so snow guess, is just melting for Haley and Bozeman, Montana, too. <laughs> so she knows that. I think it's just been a crazy winter all over the country. You know, just a ton of snow. Um, so I guess the riding season has been pushed anyway. Uh, but, yeah, any... I don't know. I I guess I'm just thinking more on like, well, what what can people do right now? What can you be inspired to do and feel like it's safe and healthy? And I guess more just, you know, exploring from home, maybe building your own routes, thinking about why you ride and and just being out there having like a solo experience is about the best I can imagine right now.
0: Yeah. And I think as we talk to you a little bit more about some of these adventures we want to dig into, hopefully that'll get people's wheels turning a little bit because... I was initially introduced to who you were through the documentary. I just want to ride, which was recommended by one of our listeners via our mailbag that people can send in kind of thoughts and questions to us too. And this documents your journey as you race the 2019 tour divide, which is a 27, 2,750 mile self-supported mountain bike race from Canada to Mexico along the great divide mountain bike route. So, wow. Um, having set the women's record in 2015, you went back to attempt to win the overall race. And we don't want to spoil it in case our listeners haven't caught it yet. So (laughs) if that's the case, I am actually going to spoil it. So skip ahead, listeners, if you don't want to hear the next minute or so. (laughs)
2: Um, Hit that like plus Plus just 15. Push yeah, over. yeah Plus pause, 15. pause, watch it really quick and yeah, exactly. then tune back in. But the it end, is, <laughs> it's only like 20,
1: 30 minutes, 30 minutes. It's pretty short, exactly. but it's like impactful.
0: It's, and you Yeah, know what, yeah these it's days totally funny. stop and just watch it. You need to. But so <laughs> at the end of that, it says that you plan to return in 2020 for another attempt at the overall win yeah. and like record. So what is the status of that? Because again, like the hopeful part, part of me is like, uh, it's pretty like a solo event for the most part, but there's a lot of people right, out there exactly. and a lot of contact. So is there a status update or is it kind of you're waiting to totally. see?
2: Yeah, I think if anything, if I can, I'll do a time trial on it in August on the route. Uh, I Actually, when I set the women's record, it was a time trial in August too, where I rode the whole thing solo. It took me 15 and a half days. What a weird experience. You know, it's like you're racing the clock for over two weeks without anybody else having a similar experience. Uh, Very strange, but also there's something kind of like fascinating about it because life just goes on in all these small communities. It's self-supported, so I have to go buy my own food, I have to get my own water, I have to find places to sleep. But then, you know, I'm like rushing into a gas station to load up on a day's worth of food, and then the people there are like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> nobody else is doing it. And I'm like, I'm racing, you know, I'm trying to set this record and I just sound like a crazy person. But then it's also, it's just like, well, then you think, well, why do I do this? And it's like, I, I feel like compelled to do it. I want to do adventure rides that are just fun and beautiful and for myself. But then I also want to go after records because I want to see what's possible. So even if like nobody else is connecting to my experience while I'm doing it, the, the clock's the same. That's like the pure part about it. You're just like trying to get that time. And how do you do it? You have to be efficient. You can't waste time. You can't sleep that much. You just have to keep moving. So uh, if anything, I'll do that again where I'll do a time trial, which is really mentally hard. Because in a race, even if there's only 100 people racing, you still have this camaraderie. Like a storm comes in, you're like, well, everybody else is experiencing this. But for me by myself, storm came in and I'm like, what am I doing out here? You know, nobody else has to do this or like a bad headwind, it's like, and then I'm just thinking about all the time I'm losing versus this like arbitrary record number. Uh, but I still, I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just gonna do it. So the men's record is just under 14 days, so I have to ride about 200 miles a day for two weeks with like 150,000 feet of climbing. Uh, over the whole thing, but I, I think I can do it, you know, so I just have to, I'm like, I gotta do it. So this idea of going for the overall record. So a couple of
1: years ago, Alyssa went for the record on the, the long trail in Vermont running, nice. not on a bike. But when we interviewed one of our most popular interviews ever was with Jennifer Farr Davis. And when we interviewed Jennifer, Alyssa was like, this is before Alyssa went for the record. And she was like, I'm going for the women's record. And Jennifer Farr Davis was like, why? Go yeah. for the overall record, cause so can yeah. we? Can you can you like kind of expand on that? Like why why go for the overall record and not? I don't want to say just women's record, but let's make the women's record the faster record, right? I know,
2: and then think about that. That's like mind blowing. Then it's like, well, then is there a men's record that's slower? <laughs> Does anybody care? You know, <laughs> which would be so cool. So uh, yeah, but then you think if it takes two weeks, to, Do men have an advantage? I don't think so. There just aren't that many women participating. You know, it's like very few are even attempting. And then if you don't go after a record, like imagining that you can actually achieve it, you're just not going to. It's not going to happen by accident. Nobody wins anything by accident. Uh, Like even like any distance, the shortest distance, it's, it's sacrifice and work and mental like strength that you think you can do it and then you do it. Or, or you don't, but you never would just by accident do it, you know? So I think take on that big record. And then, yeah, if you fall short, so what? Everybody else did, too. <laughs> That's why there's only one. <laughs> I love that. Um, I need these, yeah. like,
0: yearly pep talks to myself as I keep thinking through <laughs> yeah, things. <laughs> you can just do it. <laughs> I also want to talk about a couple of your other recent adventures, which really only scrape the surface, probably, of what you have been doing the last couple years. So we just mentioned the Tour Divide. You also did a project where you rode all the roads in Alaska. Um, mm-hmm. You did a recent project of 54 miles of rollerblading on the like loop bike path in Tucson, <laughs> which is gnarly. Um, you set the Chingaza Loop FKT, which is 262 miles in Colombia. And you also are doing like a 30 day wheelie challenge, I think. So I'm yeah. curious about what your strategy is when you come up with the next challenge like Are you more inspired by official events in FKTs? Are they more rewarding than these grassroots ones? Like, how does that compare for you?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm more, you know, generally drawn to, like, bigger races or longer distance. But then, like, the wheelie challenge or rollerblading, that's all, like, COVID-19 limitations. like, well, what can we still do? We could still go rollerblading. Or I could try to learn how to do wheelies, which is something that, like from the outset terrified me. I was like, Oh no, I can't do that. I'm, I'm just not good at tricks. But then you start doing it and you're like, well, I'm actually getting a lot better. So that's kind of a mental barrier. But yeah, really, I mean, what I want to do is just ride my bike all day farther and farther, you know, that's generally it. But I guess right now you can't really, so you have to think of, you know, different challenges or different fun things to do. Uh, But yeah, I I don't know. I think the dreams come from like looking at a map or like seeing pictures of a place and imagining what it could be like there. And then I'm like, well, I want to do that. And then thinking, is it humanly possible to cover this distance in this amount of time? And And then seeing what the experience is like and you end up out there and the weather's all kinds of, you know, it's crazy. It's like nothing you would expect. And, and that's kind of, it can be hard, but it can also be feel like so much freedom just to see it for yourself and see what you can do.
1: And when you compare a, an event like tour divide, doing it as a race to doing it as a time trial, is it easier to quit when you're by yourself? Or do you ever think about quitting versus like when there's someone else out there?
2: oh man i mean well the other thing i do is just a lot of travel on the bike so that's like I, if i enter a race then i'm committed to achieving that and then it's like well if i didn't want to race then i would just travel and then i could take breaks and i could enjoy it and i could sleep more and everything else but i don't think i'd pick one over the other because otherwise i'd i feel like i was like missing that other piece you know like the the just kind of relaxed, fun exploration, maybe experiencing it with other people, stopping in towns to talk with people versus like this single-minded, I've got to do this in this amount of time. And that's exciting too because like you do ride through storms. You would never do that on like a casual ride. You just go inside. <laughs> so I think uh, you kind of have to – I have to do both or I would burn out of one or the other. Uh, but when I'm in, in a race, like in a long, long race, I – I think I I don't quit because I'd be so disappointed in myself. Like later, you'd look back at that and be like, well, how bad was it? You know, I mean, there are reasons you have to quit. You get really injured or something or your equipment fails or whatever. But then, you know, all these kind of mental reasons. It's like, well, then I'm just going to obsess over it and have to go back and redo it. And I don't want to do that. You're already halfway through. Just finish it, you know and then like a couple hours later it's probably gonna get better you'll be like oh what was my problem this is great the threat of know.
0: the redo I do enjoy that quite a bit oh, I think wow. that, <laughs> that could be quite strong motivation if people started thinking about things that way for I mean even like yeah in the middle of something super short and hard it's just like no matter what just get through it and do okay. it and put it behind you you know
2: I think that's so human, though. It's like if you quit or if you fail, then you just have to go back. People want to, like, they want the redemption. But then I'm like, well, I don't want to go through all this work again. (laughs) You know, unless I feel like, oh, I could really do better. Or for some reason there's still something out there. You know, like this tour divide. It's like I still want that record. So I want to do it again. Plus, I love the writing. It's so beautiful. Uh, But, yeah, you just... Yeah, I don't know. Think of your future self sitting at home thinking back on the experience. You know, everybody does that. And once it's over, you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. It's right.
1: good to know that can work, you know, when when you're in a race. Or you can use it, like you said, if you're doing a solo time trial adventure or... Um, and even just a regular adventure, it seems like, cause I'm sure even on your normal adventure rides, like there are times when it's like the storm comes in and you're a little bit further away than you want to be from a warm mm-hmm. shower or something like that. And you have to figure out a way to keep yourself going. I feel like this is like a big micro or like metaphor for the COVID-19 situation right now. I feel like <laughs> we can't, I would keep like comparing it to like a multi-day stage race. And I feel like you are definitely like nailing in that that comparison
2: (laughs) oh man that's crazy i yeah everybody i think is trying to look for like positives which is really cool that's cool that that's where people's minds are going it's like let's think of something positive and inspiring to share despite all these hardships you know and then it's like well we when this passes we should just keep doing that you know it's like keep trying weird stuff do wheelie challenges or whatever because it's like well, maybe in this you're actually like growing. Maybe I'm growing more than if I was just like chasing, you know, thousand mile records, because that's more more of the same. You know, it's like, oh, I mean, yeah, they're cool experiences. They're somewhat new, but they're not like, they're not totally out of left field. You know, and I guess that's part of the reason I did like the girls program. I'm like, that's something I'm not good at. I'm not an organizer, but I'm like, well. That's a change in perspective of of something like to an opportunity to create and a different way to look at things. You know, it's like imagine when you were 12. Think about if you went on a 60 mile bike ride with all your friends and like stayed in cabins. How cool would it have been, you know? So I guess there's hopefully the inspiration continues even when this big cloud lifts. I think 12 year old Alyssa thought that the mile to the pool was like
0: the longest bike ride ever. I liked it, but it just, I can't even imagine putting that, that girl on a bike for 60 miles, which is awesome. But Layla, I did want to talk to you about too, earlier this year, something caught my eye that you were doing on Mount Lemon, which is in Tucson. And many of our listeners will actually be familiar with that because it's a very popular training ride for triathletes who head out to Tucson to train. And so I, I believe Haley, can you confirm you've done like a double lemon, right? So you've gone done twice. It might've been like 1.8. Okay. I don't know. I was going, (gasps) it
1: was like one of those things, like I was riding for like a certain amount of time and it was like, I probably was like within sight and I'm like, hit the time, turn around. I'm such a child.
0: (laughs) I'm out of (laughs) here. (laughs) <laughs> that's still that's still really good for everyone who knows lemon. That is totally we give the we give you credit for two. And then I've done one and a half. So I did a second time to Windy Point and back down. But your plan was to go like once up and down in day one, twice on day two, three times day three. And then you went four times up and down on day four. So I want to know just like how that was. And then were you going for like. Time, or were you just going for completion? And you initially, I think, had planned to do a fifth day. So, did you just decide that you had enough with four? I want to hear kind of more of the story there.
2: Well, so this started three years ago. The first lemon challenge, I wrote it every day for a week, seven days. And I was like, I'm just my week of lemon, I'm going up there every day. So, I'd work all morning doing computer stuff, and then I'd go there at two in the afternoon and ride it. And that was so, that was such a great experience because i'd like look forward to it all day and then i was like the next year i was like well i want to do another challenge but it has to be different i'm not going to do the same thing so i wrote it five times in a day uh and that took 17 hours <laughs> and i was like you know and then uh the next this year I was when like, when you well, ride it sorry are you time. on your
0: mountain bike or are you on a road bike when you do lemon i'm
2: on a gravel bike okay uh gravel bike okay. yeah so you have like gravel uh, tires no, which road-ish. are like yeah, yeah but thicker like a little wider okay you
0: yeah, can you yeah. can hear like uh, my inability to understand differences with, with bikes i know <laughs>
1: I, mean, I know you are a bike packer but 17 hours is a long time even for a bike packer I mean that's a lot of food and water because <laughs> it's oh, not yeah. like, there's, like
2: especially on, dog on yeah. because it's like you know it's every time you every each climb is like over 5,000 feet and then so then I just eat on the descents <laughs> I had like slices of pizza and I would just eat them on the way down uh but I actually, what I did for that time was I stashed like a cooler with food and drinks uh, behind a cactus, like halfway up. <laughs> I just go get it. And I had like layers too. I had like a down jacket, sweatpants, because it's so cold descending. This isn't like, uh, I mean, this past time I did it in January, it was freezing up there. And then at the bottom, it's like in the 60s or 70s, uh, Yeah. So I, that is a challenge, like eating enough, especially this one where I did, you know, four days and then I was going to do a fifth day. But the thing is, so my girlfriend Rue was coming with me and she'd ride it once each day. And then when it got dark, she was, she was so sketched out, like for me riding it in the dark because people like drag race up there. It's kind of weird at night. So then she, she kept like driving. She'd like drive, five miles up and then wait for me. She'd be like sleeping in the car and I'd knock on the window and be like, I'm okay, I'm good and then keep going up to the next checkpoint. And then I by the fourth day, it's like four lemons takes, I don't know, like fifteen hours or something like that. And uh so I was just like, this is like consuming our whole lives. (laughs) I can't do this to Rue anymore. It's like I finished the fourth one on the fourth day and I was like, I it's not getting any better. You know, I mean, like I could do another day, but it's like, I think we've had a full experience. And then we were flying to Columbia two days later uh, for another project. So I was like, okay, let's move on. You know, like, like I I feel pretty good. But I I think like the one challenge I still want to do is six in a day, just because I'm like, well, can I actually fit that in in 24 hours? You know, plus like, eating and whatever else you have to do. So I'm going to go for six and maybe in like the next month because it's getting so much warmer that like it won't be so cold descending either or in the night it won't be so cold. But then I'm like, oh, I don't want her to have to wait like watching because she's like scared I'm going to get hit by a car. That's the only problem with lemon. It's road. You know, it's like a, a road ride. So there's more traffic. It's spectacular, but it's not like you're the only person out there. What kind of lights do you use? Usually for like long distance racing, I'll use a dynamo light. So I have a hub in my front wheel and then that powers the light. Um, It really works well, except for technical mountain biking. I'm not generating enough power to light it because that's like, that's a hard thing. Is like charging equipment for a race that takes two weeks. It's like, when do you charge it? You know, it's like I usually carry like one or two power banks to charge some things. But and then I'll try to stay in a motel like every third night or something like that just to charge stuff. Uh, but the lighting could be really tricky because it's just requires so much power, you know, like battery lights. And you ride you- so much in the dark, you know, you yeah, need and it's you just
1: one light, just one light on the front is enough.
2: I'll do that and then I'll have one on my helmet uh, that is powered from 4 AA batteries. And then those last, like, I don't know, seven hours. So it'll usually get me through a night. And then I can just, like, buy some at a convenience store and replace them. Because then I also realized, like, well, if you only have a light on your bike and then you have, like, a mechanical, <laughs> you, can't, you can't fix it in the dark, you know? Or, like, trying to get stuff out of your bags or whatever. You're, like, you know, trying to, like, use your phone, the flashlight to look at stuff. <laughs> I know it's like stuff you would never think about until you're out there in the dark one night I realized like I lost my headlamp and I was like oh I guess I'll just pull over and sleep in this ditch until it gets light out <laughs> you Can't keep going.
1: I I have yet to learn that lesson. I have never I have not shared that experience of uh just sleeping in a ditch. But well, um, in 2016, you won the Trans Am Bike Race, which I believe is essentially like a race across America on bikes but self-supported. Right. And I got that right. And then so we loved reading about this because you um you actually took the lead, the overall lead near where Alyssa lives in Virginia. Really. And. <laughs> she's feeling very, she's feeling like, she's like, ah, this is the spot. Now when Alyssa like rides by there, no. <laughs> she's like going to put a statue. Commission uh, Virginia put a statue there. This is where Lael took the lead. But well, the leader at that time did get, they got turned around because of sleep deprivation and I think rode the wrong way for 20 miles.
2: 10 so miles.
1: What, oh, 10 miles. What was that like? So you saw him riding towards yeah, you. But what the weird like?
2: thing was that, you know, he's riding. So it's like three, four in the morning. And then I see this light coming towards me. And I was deranged at this point too. You know, the final three nights of that race, I slept a total of six hours. And then this is like the last night I'd slept like 30 minutes. I see this light coming towards me. and I'm like, weird. It's like three in the morning. And then, and then as soon as he gets to me, he turns around and starts riding next to me. And I look over because first I was like, Oh, maybe it's a fan or something. Cause people would come out and I mean, it wasn't <laughs> <in> me. <nowhere>. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: then I that would have made this whole story a lot better. But yeah, no,
2: it wasn't me. Alyssa, was like, can been. I get a <laughs> selfie? <laughs> <laughs> can I put this, an Instagram story? Oh, <laughs> so I look at him and I'm like, this guy's like dirty, like me. He has all the bags. He's like, you know, looks basically like my setup. But I had never seen him before because he was always ahead of me. Like, I just heard his name. I had no idea what he looked like. So I turned to him and I was like, what's your name? And he's like, Stefan. And then I was like, holy shit, that's the guy I've been chasing. Like that's when it clicked that it was him. And then I just started sprinting. And I still had like 130 miles to go. <laughs> but I was riding like we were going for the finish line right there. I was just like, and and I was just like, you know, sprinting, and then he's, like, catching me, and then every time he, like, catches up with me, I just go faster and faster, like, as fast as I could go. And I still have, you know, 125 miles, and I, I was, like, breathing like I was just going to pass out. I even had this, I was like, wow, well, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I cannot do this for the rest of the ride, but I'm just going to go as far as I can like this because this is my chance, you know, to, <laughs> like, get, break this guy or whatever. Uh, yeah, it was really crazy i ended up so then we're riding together and then i take a wrong turn because it's like none of it's marked you have to just follow your gps so then we come up to a fork and i go down to the right and he's like no it's to the left so then i was like oh shit and so then i come back and he had kind of slowed down for me to catch him and i was like he's like let's talk and i was like oh i guess he kind of waited for me so i have to You know, I mean, I didn't want to. I just wanted to keep going. And then he's like, let's talk. He's like, we've been battling for two weeks. Let's just finish this race together. And I was like, what? (laughs) Together? I was like, I've been chasing you for two weeks. I'm not finishing together. This is the race. This is actually a race, you know. So then I just start flying again. And then it was like six miles later, I realized I dropped him. I was like, oh, my God, he's, he's not there anymore. But then... I still had like 100 miles to go. We get to this small town that had a gas station. I'm going to get some water. And my uh, I had electronic shifting, and it died. And I was like, the battery died. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, now he's going to catch me because I'm like stuck to a single speed. I was carrying an extra battery, though. So I was like, but the battery's Shimano was in the seat post. And I'm like a terrible bike mechanic. And I'm like trying to change out the battery I can't, I get the battery out, but I can't get it out of my frame. So I just stick another one in and shove them both down my seat (laughs) tube.
1: And it worked.
2: (laughs) And it worked, they're just both, the other one's just like rattling around in there. (laughs) (laughs) But it worked. And then after that, I was like, I had a hundred miles left and I was like paranoid. I was like, what if I get a flat tire now? He's gonna catch me, you know, it's like, And then I realized, like, this guy's been, like, feeling like this for, like, two weeks while I was chasing him. You know, he's, like, looking over his shoulder, like, when's she going to get me? And then I did. He had stopped sleeping. He was sleeping, like, an hour at a time, and that's it. You know, in Kansas, that's, like, the halfway point. So then, yeah, I got him, but I mean,
0: speaking of that sleep deprivation, so like you've told a few stories now about how little sleep you're getting throughout a lot of these races and challenges and things like that. So how do you handle that cumulative fatigue? Like, what are your, what are your tips and tricks? This is an entirely selfish question as someone (laughs) who also likes to do things that require sleep deprivation.
2: You you should totally come do these races. Uh, So what I do is, uh, uh, I'll sleep for like four hours most races. Like a race that takes me about a week, I'll sleep like four hours. trans I'm sleeping more like five hours a night. But usually I'll sleep early. Like I'll sleep yeah, you know, like an hour after sunset. I usually start feeling really tired, and then I'll sleep for four or five hours then and then wake up in like the middle of the night and keep going. Because you have to sleep. It's like you can't avoid it. And if you don't sleep enough, you'll just waste more time other parts of the day that you should have slept a little bit more and you could be more efficient a little faster so it's kind of it's a weird game because you can't like fully sleep but you have to sleep like enough to let you feel like good enough to ride I don't know that's that's definitely by the end of the race that's that's what's the hardest part is just not sleeping it's horrible it's so bad for you it's like you you should just sleep
0: I've tried to ask doctors to be like, no, I, it just like affects me for like a week or two, right? And they're like, no, you're taking years off your life. And I'm like, Don't yeah, tell you're getting me like that. Alzheimer's. I
2: know. <laughs> I'll notice too, it's like afterward my brain's like mashed potatoes. You know, I'm like s I am like I can not like complete a thought. That's bad. That's so bad. But then I'm like, then I do it again, but not all the time, like maybe, you know, twice a year or something like that.
1: Well, we're triathletes, which means that we love data and we are curious about your setup. Do you do you think about aerodynamics at all when when you're riding? And do you ride with power or is everything by feel?
2: Everything's by feel, and aerodynamics is terrible. I I have like an aero bar on my bike, but that's just for a body position usually, so that I can like lean forward. It's like comfortable to move around, but I mean, yeah, I. You know, race in a baggy cotton t-shirt. It's not aero. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How important do you think comfort is? Is comfort just like what you go for? For
2: comfort, comfort. Yeah, super important. Comfort like it, having different hand positions, body positions, you know, having co- a comfortable outfit, warm clothes, you know, all that kind of stuff. Because like if, there's he, anything that like annoys you, it's just going to, it's just going to ramp up over time. Like, even if like, you're like, Oh, I'm sick of wearing this Jersey. And then think about wearing like the same Jersey for two weeks without really washing it. Oh, or like another one is like, I don't ride with a chamois because I'm like, if you can't wash it, it's going to get so gross, you know, like stuff like that. It's like stuff that works really well for like single day events or shorter rides. Like, would it really work that well for like a two week ride? You know, so you kind of figure out what does work for you. And then I see like people with cycling jerseys, they always have them unzipped, like flapping in the wind anyway. So I'm like, that's not arrow. That's definitely a good point. So, so do you ride in make shorts like with no chamois?
1: I'm like, wait, yeah. so like, it, like, are you still riding? Or are you riding in like running shorts or like jeans? I used
2: to. Jeans. I mean yeah. if that's what you're comfortable with you're like that's jeans and so a cotton good. t-shirt yeah jean <laughs> uh, uh, bibs with the chamois cutout is what I found is the best because the, because then there's no waistband you know because waistband that's really uncomfortable but then no chamois so then the bibs and they are pearl zoomy bibs that stretch down the back so I don't have to undress to pee which is really important Uh, (laughs) but yeah I think that's that's been the best uh I don't know what do you guys ride in what do you ride like what do you race in and what do you ride normally in
1: so I used to ride always like in tri shorts which have like a really really thin chamois and when Alyssa came Alyssa came and rode with me that one time she's like I've never seen someone ride in, in just tri shorts and then I did I did uh start wearing bibs after that because of the waistband thing like the bibs are that is actually much nicer but yeah when you have to when you have to pee you feel like you're like basically naked out there it's like wearing yeah. a romper
2: <laughs> like yeah, it's it's full, you're like holding a now. dressing behind a bush yeah. <laughs> this isn't right <laughs> so it's pretty
0: good Not every adventure we just talked about a lot of successful adventures that you've had, but not everything that you have done is something where you get the record or it's a total success. So I imagine that sharing some of these failures, like with all of us in the outside world can be tough at times, too. But does that transparency like have some positives too? like the fact that you're saying I'm going for this record no matter what and going for the overall and like, what have you learned through sharing all the successes, obviously, but also the failures with the whole world?
2: Totally. Like the first video project I was involved in, I was doing a time trial on the Arizona Trail. It's a 800-mile hiking trail from the Mexican border to the Utah border. And I was doing a video for REI. And then like two days into this ride where I'm trying to break the women's record, I had to actually pull out because I had such bad breathing problems. Um, I I couldn't breathe. Like my lungs totally shut down. And it was so disappointing. I was just like, oh. I just, uh, I hate quitting so much, you know? And then it was just like my, I felt like my body really failed me. Um, and this was really hard to deal with. And especially like with it being part of a media project, I was like, everybody's going to see me fail. Like this is horrible. And then this company that was making the video, they were like, well, we have to finish the project regardless. So we have to share a story. So I had like moved on, I was doing a ride and Baja California and Mexico but they kept sending like more questions I had to answer like doing audio recordings and then because they felt like they didn't have enough to complete the story and then the last set of questions they sent were like how does it feel to fail what do you think failure is like it was all failure questions and I was so <laughs> I was so pissed off I was like what the fuck like my body shut down and now they're making me talk about failure and it was during one of those interviews that I was like well, I don't, this isn't a failure. I'm going to race the Trans Am. And this was like the year before the Trans Am. And then they put that in the video. And then I was like, well, I guess I'm going to race Trans Am. And that's the whole reason I did it. <laughs> you know, cause I was like, Oh, that's wild. I was like, Now I just declare that I wasn't going to do that, but then it made me do it. And then I like ended up winning the whole race. And I was like, I never would have done that otherwise, you know, without this, like, Big failure. It wouldn't have like motivated me to like take on something totally out of my element. I'm not. I didn't hardly ride road before that, you know. So then I'm like in the Trans Am in my baggy cotton t-shirt, like in fifth place in the first week, and I was like, this is terrible. Like I and I was like I was like I have to win. You know, I can't, I, I had a failure last fall. I like, I have to win this. I have to learn how to road ride so I can win this race. And then I, I think it's because of the failure that I like really felt like I had to do it. And I did, you know, so it's like, that's, that's kind of how it goes. It's like one thing's down and then you, it just makes you work harder, you know, but failure sucks. It's terrible. You know, it's it's just like, you feel so bad. I don't know if it's worth it. <laughs> I wish people just had successes. <laughs>
1: Lail, <laughs> well, your adventures have taken you all over the world. You mentioned going to Colombia and just even all over the United States. And since these are often self-supported journeys, you're relying on the people and the communities that you encounter along the way. And, and I, I'm imagining just like kind of unexpected kindness along the way. Do you have any favorite stories either from, you know, from in the U.S. or overseas?
2: Oh, man. So many, you know, so many people just, like, reaching out to offer whatever they have. And then it's, like, it's great if you share a language, but if you don't, you know, you're invited inside, and then they just put a bowl of food in front of you and just watch you eat it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not awkward at all.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, but, I mean, I, you know, I I don't know if I have a favorite, but I I feel like it's so cool that – you know, even beyond just, like, this hospitality is, like, the connections you make with people, and so much of it is about having this common interest of of riding, And, and the idea of, like, adventure, of where it could take you, or of, like, you go somewhere and meet somebody that's never considered a bike trip, but then they start thinking about just riding across their own city, you know, or, like, riding me out of town, or anything like that, you know, it's just, like, that's so cool, because then you see this, like, light go off of, like, new dreams for other people. And I'm like, wow, that's they they had it in them. And then they're excited about whatever the next step is for them. And it doesn't have to be riding like, you know, across the country. It could just be like using the bike as transportation or like a time to think. Uh, I feel like it's such a positive thing.
0: So if someone had you, you recommend basically when you're telling people to like start trying to do bike packing adventures, right. That you just kind of leave from your house and you just go for a night and stay out and then like ride home. Right. So what would you recommend okay. for someone who is like maybe ready? Like they've done that and they're ready to tackle the next step. Do you have like a favorite destination trip domestically? We'll keep it, you know, for since we don't know how far we'll be able to travel for the, the short term here. Okay. But like where would be your favorite places to do a multi-day within the U.S.?
2: Like the, the route that the Tour Divide is on, the Great Divide route is so cool through the Rockies. Just tons of public land, great camping, beautiful riding, really good gravel, basically. I love that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the thing is, it's really like once you want to want to go a bit farther, finding really good routes is is the way to go. There are really good resources online, uh, like bikepacking.com has tons of routes that they share. And then maybe for different people it's like well what landscape really what landscape are you dreaming about that you really want to explore like for me I love riding in the desert some people think that's like desolate and terrible so it's like whenever I'm riding in the desert I
0: always say that this is like where I would go throw a body if I needed to (laughs) I just like imagine like like that is where all the like bodies that we're looking for exist is like out in the the Tucson desert that's what I think whenever I'm at camp there
2: (laughs) somebody out there and shoot them nobody will even notice everybody else is shooting in the desert it's like guns all the time (laughs) (laughs) but I love it you know so I mean I guess that's the thing it's like don't don't push yourself to something that you don't think you can you know like if you want if you love like riding in the Appalachian Mountains like find her out there you know like pick something that like kind of makes your heart feel full and then do it and then maybe start with something that's like I guess the other thing is like allow yourself more time than you think you need because people are always like oh I can fit in this thousand miles in my week-long vacation and then they don't have any fun you know it's like because then they're like they're they're like of you know a prisoner to their schedule and it's like oh maybe you wanted to like just ride half that day and then like hang out somewhere for a bit I guess so maybe you know, don't plan it to be epic all the time. Like, and then when you get there, it's like, well, if you had two extra days, I'm sure you could find somewhere else to ride, you know, if you wanted to do that. So maybe a little bit less planning, but I don't know. That's It's hard, it's hard when you're sitting at home not to want to like make the most of everything. Or you have this huge trip plan, but then you only make it halfway through. And then that's not a failure. That's still like, well, look at that. You had a week of experience. And then you have something else to look forward to. You can go back and ride the second half. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I guess the same thing with like long distance hikers. Like I'm going to hike 30 miles a day for 45 days and finish, you know, the Pacific Crest trail or whatever. And then, it, and then it doesn't happen. And then it's like, well, do you regret that you like, it's
0: like, no, now you just have to go mine? do the other half
2: another time. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Lil, I saw or I watched another interview, I think of you, and I think it said you didn't you you did not even have a driver's
2: license. Is that true? Oh, man, I have one, but it's not. I can't drive. (laughs) I got it. uh, I got it. I was living in Key West, Florida. It's the end of my first long bike trip, and I wanted to be a pedicab driver, the bicycle taxi. Uh, And but they were like, you have to have a driver's license to get to, to be one. So then I had a friend who was a pedicab driver she's like, well, we'll just borrow this guy, Jeff's truck and I'll teach you. And then we've spent an hour practicing. And then she like, she directed me to the DMV and she was like, okay, you're taking the test. And I was so freaked out. I was like, oh my God, I was like shaking this DMV lady's like, okay, you just have to turn on the lights of the truck and I didn't even know where they were I was just like messing around with all these buttons and then I got it and then I did the test and she was I was like shaking and and I she was like well I'm gonna pass you because you didn't make any mistakes but I'd really recommend that you practice more and I was (laughs) like did you have to parallel park did you have to parallel park in Florida you just have to like drive into some cones (laughs) that's it (laughs) And then I was like, I'm never driving again. You know, I was like, that's it. And I really have only probably driven, like, at all, like, five times since then. And it makes me just sweat thinking about it. I can't do it. You know, at this point, I'm like, it's too much anxiety. I just can't do it.
1: And I don't so want you, to. When you're <laughs> traveling, do you, do you just ride your bike to the airport and then pack up your bike, like, in the parking lot? You do.
2: Yeah. Or... Or, no, usually i pack it before and, like, take a cab or something to the airport, but then arrive at the other place and, and build the bike and then ride away. Because uh, that's the thing. Bikes are always, like, a little inconvenient to travel with because you need a bike box or yeah. something to pack them. Um, but now, you know, my girlfriend, Rue, drives, so she actually ends up driving us a lot more places now. I'm not so stubborn anymore I'm like <laughs> whatever <laughs> we have to get somewhere let's just do it <laughs> I think you know you, I've just got a lot more lax about how things happen it's like you don't have to ride every mile or whatever who cares nobody cares that's the thing just like move on
0: I love it, Lael. Well, I think our listeners are really going to hear enjoy hearing about all of your adventures. And you were recently on our sister podcast, Girls Gone Gravel. So we would recommend that people check that out, too, to hear more from you there. But thank you so much for coming on. Um, It is a time when we're all trying to find the positives. And I think that you have definitely given people an easier way to maybe check that out for their own life and plan some positive adventures going forward here. So thanks so much for coming on.
2: Great, thanks for having me.
1: Triathlon is certainly hard on your skin, without a doubt. That was Teresa Helsel, dermatologist PA and accomplished triathlete. Earlier this year, Teresa came on the podcast to offer skincare advice specific to triathletes.
0: Teresa's two biggest tips were to avoid sunburn and chafing. And luckily, Iron Women podcast listeners get 15% off all Zelio skincare products including Sun Barrier SPF 45 Zinc-Based Sunscreen and Betwixt Athletic Skin Lubricant and Chammy Cream.
1: Use the code IRONWOMAN at TeamZelios.com for 15% off and use Zelios products to protect your skin during all your swim, bike, run fun. Alyssa, I think Lale might be one of the best storytellers I've ever heard. And I also love that she inspired you to take on this Jarman challenge that you're in the middle of right now. What I would love even more is if maybe like one of our listeners or all of our listeners, or get inspired by Layle and come up with some kind of cool challenge even if it is like climbing your stairs once a day and then climbing your stairs twice a day then climbing your stairs three times the next day maybe that's the Haley version but they should definitely do this and then write into our mailbag iron at gmail.com
0: tell us what they're doing like inspired by lael maybe we can make a hashtag i feel like this could be a thing i love it so thanks so much for to lael for coming on and sharing those stories of her adventures with us and Haley our listeners can always help support our podcast by supporting our sponsors and using the code as you get things that you love and we love and help support the podcast and you can also leave rating and review on the podcast app that you choose just do that really quickly that really helps us as well and also we have our patreon community for as little as two dollars a month you can join that community of listeners and uh, contribute with us through patreon patreon.com forward slash live
1: great things for people to be doing right now and Alyssa good luck with your challenge and I'll talk to you next week
0: bye Haley you have been listening to the iron women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Geddeski. iron women is a production of live feisty media and is edited by Taylor
1: Mahan Rudolph Thank you to our sponsors, Zileo Skincare, Noon Hydration, Form Swim Goggles, and Orca Sportswear, as well as the Live Feisty Patreon community. You can find websites and discount codes in our show notes or at ironwomenpodcast.com.